Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, and welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Jim Martin joined by Greg Gonzalez and Brad Warhurst. And we're doing this a little differently today. We are live streaming this podcast with our Elite Advisor Lab. So we've got people that are watching and commenting. And I'm not even going to read the chat. I'm going to let Brad and Greg uh, relay the chat to me because it will absolutely get me off my game when somebody's, you know, making fun of my ears or um, my lighting or whatever is bad. So I don't want to hear about that. But we're talking today about getting all the assets, consolidation of assets, making sure you bring those in. And how do you, how do you, when you sit down with a prospect, how do you, how do you get it all? You know, that person who says, oh, I, I, I want to leave this 401k alone because it's doing so well in the 2050 fund or that person we were picking on American Century, but it could be Vanguard, could be American funds. doesn't really matter, but how oh, I want to leave that account alone because, you know, it pays 3% and, you know, I've had it for a long time. So I just, I just like it. So I, I just want to jump right into the topic. I think we all have very strong opinions about this. Greg, you're next to me right now. So have you ever seen this before? Is this an uncommon uh, experience for you in your practice? It, it's not uncommon. Um, but uh, man, in fact, you deal with it quite regularly, almost, it seems like, um, you know, depending on the, the perspective client. Um, but the objection, so it's, so what I try to do is kind of dissect the objection. So you know, and a lot of times if, if, you know, uh, redoing or reworking, updating the, the retirement plan, if, if I have to go back to the person and say, okay, send me an American century statement so I can update. It's like, wouldn't it just be easier if we had everything in one place where we knew everything, what it was, how it was invested, what it was worth and where it was headed And our, or we, you know, is it behind track is, um, um, is there, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Brad, he doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to distract him. Hey, I, I want to make sure all our listeners know that, um, for over a year of recording this, I've had to deal with Brad and Greg wearing cow avatars and cowboy avatars and, um, screwing around. I get a rare opportunity to strike back. I'm sorry, Greg, that was incredibly unprofessional. Um, I, I'm going to take that back. Finish your point, sir. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt now, Greg. He took, he cut us out from the knees, right? Like we're not on zoom. We don't have our avatars. We don't have our, you look at him celebrating, right? <laughs> like he got us on doing it on the lab software. So we did not have filters and disguise. It's <laughs> my time to get you guys back. Three weeks ago, Jim's like, Hey guys, I have a great idea. Why don't we try and do this? It was just to get rid of Greg and I's avatars. <laughs> yeah. I knew there was a, <laughs> a secret initiative behind. Um, so let me let me just kick what it if over. We don't it, edit it and add a little comedy value and see how that goes. Oh my gosh, listeners. no! This would be a, a complete train wreck of production value. And um, yes, uh, some people don't know us and what clowns we are. So 
All right, let me let me transition over to uh, over to Brad. Hey, Greg, thanks for sharing that. I think I, I think we've all set across from a prospect who ultimately um, has those kinds of conversations where they want to leave an account alone and and really trying to trying to force them to to bring their money over. Not force. Force is a bad word, right? Like convince them that it's in their best interest. I think is really what we're trying to do because we don't want to force anybody. It's their money, their decision. They get to make that. But Brad, you've experienced this before. When you're sitting across from someone and they give you the, you know, Brad, my 401k, I'm going to leave it there because it's really doing well. And you look at the 401k, right? And they've, they're either in a 2050 fund or they're in four large cap funds and they say they're diversified. How, how do you handle that? So for one, uh, earlier in my career, and I think, let's face it, I mean, there's always, there's always a big enough whale that'll, that'll make you change you know, your way of doing things. But earlier in my career, I wouldn't hesitate if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a big deal, right? If someone said, Hey, I really, uh, I like this, you know, I, I like, uh, capital income builder. It's done really well. I don't, I don't want to get rid of it. I mean, it, depending on the phase of your career in, I, I wouldn't hesitate to let them know that's, that's no problem. We can build the rest of the portfolio around that piece. You know, so that's one option, probably for earlier to mid stage career. I, I'm I'm probably not doing that too much these days, unless it's a pretty large account. Um, Jim, in the case of the the 401k, because that's a pretty common one. Yeah. You know, and in the case of a target date fund, we talk a little bit about um, sequence of returns risk in uh, in my practice when we're onboarding someone. And sequence of returns risk, just real quick, is you know you don't want to be withdrawing from assets that are down in value. Right. You don't want to be taken out of stocks when the stock market's down 20, 30 percent. Um, so in a target date fund, we exp- I, I set that up in advance. And then when we get to looking at what's going to change versus the way they're doing it now, um, you know, and look and say, hey, we can have identical returns from the same asset allocation. And uh, but the difference is, you know, if we have it all in a turnkey fund and the market's down, you know, say the stock market's down 30 percent. And uh, let's pretend the bond market's up. We might have a blended return of down 15%. But if you have a target date fund, guess what you're selling? Something that's down 15%. But if we have a, a, a complete portfolio with individual dedicated positions to each asset class, we can pick and choose what we buy and sell. So on the 401k and the target date fund, that's how I kind of dispel that one. Um, other things that I'll try and point out is I try and focus these these instances completely on what's in it for them, right? Because that's what most people are here for in, in any business. What's in it for me? What's in it for you, client? Besides what we just talked about, um, you know, you, pricing. Pricing is in it for you. You know, show them your fee schedule. Revisit your fee schedule. Look at breakpoints, whatever type of business you're doing, and then point out, do you want to be a $500,000 client at two firms or a million-dollar client at one firm? Show them the price difference they're not helping themselves by splitting their money up. Uh, I talk about tax location a lot of times. I know we haven't done this yet in the lab, but we will. And it's important and it's a value add, right? Uh, it may make advantage. It, it may, it may make sense for us to do some tax loss harvesting at the end of the year. Um, but we don't want to end up with a wash sale because we had two different people coordinating the strategy. And I'll talk about that too. Goes, you know, the list goes on and on how you want to integrate it. You, you wouldn't take your taxes to two different, uh, CPAs to do them. Why not? Number one, you're going to pay twice. And number two, one's going to not know what the other is doing. Same thing here. Um, but that's, I always try and frame it in. And those are all, none of those are BS answers. That's really what's in it for you. Better pricing, better management, 
simplicity, that's what's in it for you. Um, and I do at, at, at our stage and how I do it. And again, I, I preface this with sometimes I wonder if the way that I talk is not the way everyone else should talk, but I just tell people flat at, at the end, I, I don't do that here. You know, I have a very close to capacity practice and it's all or nothing. I just don't, I just cannot and do not take partial relationships anymore. That usually works out. I think it helps show confidence, especially after giving them, you know, pretty um, objective reasons as to what's in it for them. And then just letting them know, Hey, I'm confident that I don't, I don't need to split this case with anybody else. Someone else will want your place. If, if you don't. Let, so. Let me interject something, Brad, because I recently had somebody bring up, well, um, in my, in my, this old 401k that I want to keep, the expense ratio is extremely low. And in fact, there's an S&P 500 fund and the expense ratio is 0.02, so two bips. And then, you know, they had a bond fund where the expense ratio was literally one bip. What if they said to you, hey, now, how would you both handle that? Like, I, I want to keep it here because, it, I mean, it's practically free to keep it there. But these other accounts that are, you know, old and, you know, I, I, I haven't, you know, they cost more and this advisor doesn't call me or anything. I'll let you take care of those. I'll let you handle those. This account, I want to keep it over here just because the cost is so low. Jim, do you want to go or do you want me to go? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, um, here's the thing. When I sit down with a prospect right away, I handle this right in the first meeting and I think it's really important. And I, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, what, what brought you in today? And then depending upon what they say, I go to the next thing. And sometimes, sometimes this is for somebody who says, well, I just wanted to see what you had to offer. People that say that generally are, they're not super serious. People who say I need a retirement plan, they, you know, they're, they're a little more dialed in, but I'll ask them, I'll say to them, are you looking for comprehensive wealth? and investment management and financial planning services. And if they say yes, you have somebody who's interested. Now I frame it a little differently than that, but you get the basic gist of it. And what I'm trying to do is eliminate people that are, you know, they already have a financial advisor or, cause I think there's a couple different types of people that we're gonna be talking about today. There's the, there's the person who wants to leave the old account alone because they like the performance, they like the familiarity with it, or they like the fees. And then where I get to the point where somebody is talking about the difference in the fees is I, I, I'm honest with them. It does cost more to work with me than your 401k. But if we look at your 401k performance, they're either, they maybe have outperformed us, but it's almost always because they're all equity and they dollar cost averaged over 20 years and they don't really understand the, the difference. And I, I pointed out to them and I also let them know, I, I mean, I'm like Brad before. I put a line in the sand. If you're going to work with my firm, you're going to do business our way. And it's not our way or the highway, but it really is our way or the highway. If you don't have to work with us, right? Like you're not required to give us all your money, but you are required to give us all your money if you become a client. And, and I'm okay to tell people that. Even if it's a big relationship, I, you, we have one right now. I'm going to share one example and then I'll kick back over to Brad. But I have one person right now who, We've worked with this, this individual for probably five years. He has, you know, right at $200,000. And the reason we, we worked with this individual to start with is because there's a much larger relationship up for grabs. He's going to be retiring from a, from a university and there's a much larger relationship. And we've always had intentions to manage his money until the last planning session. 
And he said, I think I'm going to leave it there because it's cheap, right? Like it, it's not costing. He's getting full blown financial planning mm-hmm. and he's getting absolutely no cost around it. So, you know, my, my recommendation to him was I, I walked him through and I said, let's call him Bob. And I said, Bob, you know, at the end of the day, we have two ways we can do this. We can do investment management where we're just going to manage the money that's here. That means that we'll call you once a year and have a conversation. But if you want financial planning, I'm not going to give you a hundred percent of the financial planning on 20% of the assets. And you just have to make a decision which route you want to go. And then you can, you know, you can walk them through the value ads and all these other things. Generally speaking, you'll lead a horse to water and they will drink, but there's going to be people that just won't do it. They're going to try to have a small relationship with an advisor, but get you to do all the planning work. And I, I just think that's a bad precedent for you to set. And I made a mistake taking this individual and letting <laughs> him go, but it has always been that he was going to give us all the assets. But the moment he said that he's going to keep it there, we put the brakes on the plan. I didn't print it up for him. I didn't give it to him. We stopped planning. He's got a decision to make. Yep. Brad, how do you handle it? 100% same way. And you know what, Jim? I don't even have any, I've told, I've said this hundreds of times in my career. I'll tell people when I wrap that part up and say, hey, let's be honest. As far as the investment management goes, once we're set up on 10 grand, I mean, there's some you know tax location if they have non-qualified money. But what we're not going to do flat out is I'm not going to have my intellectual property implemented at E-Trade. I'm just not doing it. I'll tell them that. You know, it's not even a confrontational thing. An attorney would, would, would say the same thing. I mean, my product is between my two ears and you're not taking it. You're not taking it to trade it for free at Fidelity or Schwab because you gave me $25,000 Roth IRA. It's just not going to happen. I don't need the business that bad. And I don't say it as aggressive. Yeah. I suppose maybe once or twice I have, but I think that showing them all the things that are in it for them and then wrapping it up some confident way, like Jim just did and saying, you know, these are the reasons why, and, and this is how it is. Um, more often than not, I mean, I've had, okay, sign here. You know, it, yep. it doesn't seem to be a problem for the most part, but it is a common thing that people ask. You know, I'll point out here, another thing that people run into that for anybody listening, consider this before you get like me and get cranky about, about prospects. They've heard, don't put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket for 30 years. They don't know that that means asset allocation. They, a lot of them think that means don't have it all at one brokerage firm. Don't have it all with one advisor. Don't have it all in one fund company. They don't know what that means. So make sure that you know exactly what they're getting at. Sometimes it's the guy that wants two basis points. Other times it's the guy that just doesn't know what putting his eggs in one basket means. Yeah, but you have you do have all your chickens on one farm. <laughs> there you go. All right. And that's and that that's you just have to reframe it. But you're right. Like they think um, diversification is having twelve different IRAs. Yeah. And that's just really confusion. And then you just have to talk about how they don't they don't match match with each other. Greg, let me change gears a little bit here because I think I think that we all are skilled in that and you can add anything you want around it. But I think ultimately, I think you just have to handle those questions head on and show your value proposition to win it. I think where it gets harder is you've met someone and they have a pre-existing relationship with another advisor and they're going to give you a shot because they like you. How do you handle that? Yeah. Um, I want to back up before I answer that. I want to back up a minute. Um, and, and 
I'm going to put numbers around uh, Jim's example of the 200, the guy with 200,000. Let's say he had a million in the 401k and, and Jim started the relationship because, hey, this guy's going to retire one day. There's going to be a million dollar rollover. I don't know that that's the 401k, but I would assume it's probably the numbers are pretty close. So um, with that being said, you know, if that individual said to me, hey, I'm going to leave the million bucks at, you know, XYZ 401k. I would say, oh, okay, are, are you managing that or is XYZ company managing that 401k for you? He was in whatever the answer is, um, wh what I would say, he, you know, the answer is going to be either I manage it. Oh, so with the, the select, you know, few choices that you have in the 401k, that, that's what you're going. And how does that tie into the overall plan? And, you know, he'll, he or she will have no clue. Um, and I would say, well, if you have that much confidence in them, for them to manage a million and us to manage 200,000, you might as well take the 200,000 and have them manage everything. What am I missing here? And they're probably going to say, well, well, they don't do any planning. They can't get, do any tax planning or, you know, legacy planning or anything that you do as, as far as holistic retirement planning. So let them answer it and say, oh, well, then in that case, it would make sense to, to have everything, you know, under one roof. Does that make sense? Um, I, I don't know that that's how I would handle that. And then yeah, that's, Jim, gold. That, that, that's gold right there, by the way, I think that's real. You did the takeaway when you did that, which is probably more effective than the way I did it ultimately, because you're letting them know that, Hey, if you love these guys so much and you're getting, you're getting to what the real answer is, right? Like you're getting to the real answer on why they're there. So I, anybody that's listening to this, I, I highly suggest you underline that or re-listen to that, that language, because it is a, uh, it, it's going to make you some money for sure. Yeah. And oh, if I'm just going to throw out a name, if it's Vanguard or Fidelity or TIAA craft, if they're helping you make these uh, most critical financial decisions of your life, of your retirement, by all means, they should be helping you with every. And you know damn well that they're not they're not helping you with Social Security planning, tax planning, any of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, what I'm trying to say is, hey, if they're doing everything that we're doing, they should get the business. They should get the account. Um, but Jim, getting your question of, you know, back in the day when I started, I, I would try to earn the business and say, oh, that, you know, I, I would say, okay, we want to give you a shot. I think that's what your question was. If somebody said to me, we want to give you a shot and say, well, it seems to me if you're currently working with the advisor at XYZ firm, it seems, it sounds like you're pretty happy with them. You wouldn't want to keep your accounts there with them. And is it fair to say you're pretty happy with, with, you know, the job they're doing for you? And they would say yes. Well, quite frankly, I, I don't see, I don't really see if you're, if you're happy with the service, if you're happy with the advice that the, you're getting, I don't see a reason to change. What am I missing here? Well, we want to, and then they'll either tell you, we want to diversify our holdings between two different advisors or whatever. And, and what would that do for you? If you had two different advisors building two different plans, what would that do for you? And they're going to say, well, we don't have a plan. Well, okay. Well, that's the bigger thing is you don't that's have a plan. That's what two advisors does for you. <laughs> so, you know, the way we work is, you know, we build a comprehensive plan for people that's going to encompass tax planning and investment planning and legacy planning and all these different things. And it seems like that's the missing piece here. And, and if, if you're interested in that, then we can have a discussion. But if you're just trying to spread your investments out between two different firms, I just don't see how that's going to be advantageous to your overall 
plan. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, and I don't think you get a lot of that business. I know we talked on previous episodes on this about the idea of, well, in eight months, we'll do this for eight months and then you can, you know, you can see what we deliver and what they deliver. And then, you know, you have to make a decision. But I mean, if you're running a business practice, you more than likely have forgotten about this conversation because you've moved on to the next person in front of you. We were just going through an exercise in our office where we went through and we're looking at all of our clients, all the segmentations. And I'm looking through these, a few of the names and I thought to myself, wow, this guy, Vince, you know, Vince told me he was going to roll his other 401k over and he never did it. So, you know, it's one of these, it's one of these things that you have to take into consideration. Um, Brad, for you, how do you handle those kinds of uh, conversations in your office? See, they have an advisor over, let's just say Morgan Stanley to pick a random, a random firm out. I can't pick on Jones because all the Jones guys yell at me when I talk about Jones on here, but let's say, um, we don't, I don't think we have any Morgan Stanley listeners, so we can pick on them. You, got, you have a Morgan Stanley guy. They're somewhat happy with them, and they're, they want to test you out. They want to give you some of the money. How are you handling that? How do I meet this person, hypothetically? Smart asset, seminar, they, they just they, a referral. Who knows? I would, I would do exactly what I just said <clears throat> um, earlier. I would list the reasons why it's not in their interest to do that. And I would tell them if they're unhappy with their current relationship, they're in, they're in my office for a reason. Let's talk about it and then see if it makes sense to work in a whole relationship. And if it does, let's move forward. And if it doesn't, that's okay. We'll just shake hands and, and, and move on as friends. That's totally fine. Uh, I don't find myself in these situations as frequently anymore because I don't, I don't, what do you guys think? I would ran into more of this with when I was doing more cold prospecting, like the labor I could see door knocking or cold calling. And I know back in the day, right? Like the idea of cold calling on muni bonds was just make them a customer. You come back for it for the rest later. Just start by getting a seat at the table. Um, so I think it kind of, I think it kind of depends on where you are in your career and how you respond to it. If I were newer in the business, by the way, I think we should point that out when we, when we would do things differently, depending on the time period, you know, if I were the first couple of years and somebody wanted to give me, especially if they wanted to give me a six figure number, I'm taking it. You know, if I have goals to meet to keep my job, I mean, sure, I would go for it all, but I would, I would take a partial relationship. If, if my job depended next quarter on me getting so many assets or so many households, yeah, I would, I would take it. I think there's a, a lot of value in what you said around, depending upon where you're at in your career, it makes a difference. And I also think the other thing that is, uh, is important there is I think as you, if you have more time in the business, you're going to have more credibility. And people are going to want to test you out less. I feel like I had that same issue happen to me when I was younger as well. People would come in. Maybe my office wasn't nice. Maybe my support staff wasn't as conditioned. So maybe people were just a little nervous about giving me their life savings. They liked me enough to give me some, but didn't trust me enough to give it all. And I, I see that a lot less today than I saw, you know, five years ago. I think you're right. I think not only in your how your office set up, but probably your subconscious, the way that you carry yourself and present, I mean, you probably, you probably give off veteran energy, right? They're going to know that they like, we're not desperate for their business. So it probably in some sub subliminal way comes across and that probably contributes to why we don't see it as often either. I just want to throw something out. Well, it's my turn to talk because someone sent something in from the chat on the subject, which was, um, what if it's an existing client? And they inherited 
uh, inherited money. So new money came in and let's, uh, it sounds to me like maybe they inherited mom or dad's money. And now mom or dad's advisor is in the picture in a competitive situation. So let's say, for example, um, you know, client has a half a million bucks with us. That's all their money. And then at some point in time, mom and dad pass away. They have $300,000 at, uh, we won't name the firm because who cares? But that advisor now is in the mix and has at least gotten them to listen about keeping the money at their firm. Greg, how are you handling that? I only have one situation like this, and uh, it's a client that inherited a bunch of money from uh, dad, and uh, the advisor is in North Dakota, and had said, if you leave it in the account here, uh, there's no fees. There are absolutely no fees. And so they said, we're going to keep it there. Um, and uh, it's like a million bucks. Um, and they are going to be shopping for a new advisor <laughs> so, uh, pretty soon. So, uh, you know, that's the only case I've really experienced that. I mean, it's what I challenge them with is I said uh, that account. I'm always going to be honest with you. And I reviewed the statement and there are costs. Those mutual funds are not free. Um, they're, you know, no matter what someone else is telling you, there are costs associated with it. Um, that firm is not a nonprofit. And we aren't either. Um, but, you know, they aren't looking at your, your total picture because they, they don't know about the other accounts that you have with us, that you have invested for retirement, and they don't know how your retirement plan is going to be impacted with that inheritance and this new 10-year rule whenever you inherit an IRA from mom or dad. So I said, it's going to be in your best interest you know, to, to have all the assets under one roof. We can update your retirement plan. And uh, you know, they came back with, well, the guy said it's uh, it's a no cost account. And, you know, he had worked with dad for 30 years or something like that. And I said, well, that sounds good. Then you found your new financial advisor and uh, you can move what you have with me to him. So, and see if he'll charge nothing for, for uh, <laughs> that account too. You know, Greg, um, and I think I would handle it so in a similar way. I mean, I would certainly, I'm sure you did try to point out all the fees that they are paying. I would point out in one, again, duplicate fees, probably paying two IRA fees, you know, at, at very least your million bucks, you could, I know you're, you're, you're mostly fee-based, but I mean, you get an NAV pricing at a lot of fun companies at a million, you could do a transfer in kind, save the custodial fee. Yeah. In the end, I would, I would handle it the same way you did basically, but I want to point out here, and I feel like this comes up on a lot of things that we talk about. Um, there was an episode last year where we were talking about sequence of returns risk and and same deal here. So often our responses only work because we laid the groundwork at the start of the relationship for them to work that way. Jim, Greg, and I can go to this client with the inherited money and be like, ultimately after doing everything, like hearing them out, talking rationally, listing why it's in their best interest, we can all ultimately reference back to it is simply our policy. We don't take partial relationships. And we told you that. So you know, the expectation has been set from day one. So I think that the lesson here in a lot of this is if you're going to go the route that we go on a lot of these practices, you got to go the whole way, right? Because something, a seed you plant in 2018 might be bearing fruit today. 
you have to give him the whole nine yards for sure. I, I've had one of those situations. Um, it was somewhat similar. Somebody inherited something. They inherited from mom. They had they did have preferred pricing. She knew it wasn't free, and it did take me three years to get it. But during that three years, it did affect the relationship. It really bothered me as a financial advisor. She came to my my client events. I uh, wanted financial planning, and it really bothered me to the point where I handed her off to one of my uh, other advisors. He ended up finally getting the assets. I think it creates a lack of trust between the two parties. And I don't think it's great for a healthy relationship. And you really, I always acted as a fiduciary for her, always wanted to take care of her, never did not serve her well. It wasn't as a welcome a meeting when she showed up on my calendar. I, I didn't like it as much because I felt like she rejected me. Ultimately, that, and that's what it comes down to. Like you've been providing great service. You've been doing all the things you need to. And then all of a sudden, somebody else that they don't know, that they've never worked with, now they're going to work with this person that never earned their business. And, and it really hurts your pride in a lot of ways. I would say be practical about it. There are a lot of emotions for people when this happens. Be patient if you can, um, but, but be stern in the approach you're going to take. And if, if ultimately, if they think that it's free and, and, and you've shown them that it, it's not and they still believe it's free, that's not a great client. Yeah, just another thought on this, guys, <clears throat> a tip that has helped me actually several times in the past. You know, I will point out to them again, actually, this is me talking in ways probably not many people do. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to point out to them. Listen, let's be honest. You have two advisors. Here's what this becomes. It becomes a performance contest. As much as you're going to sit here and tell me that ain't it. Trust me, it's it. As much as we don't want to be stockbrokers that you pick based on who gets you the most returns. That's why you're here. You think I'll get you the best return, right? So here's what happens when the advisors on both sides know that. And I'm not saying I would do this. I'm not saying that they would do this. I'm saying this is what you're setting yourself up for. I know that if I earn you more money over the next couple of years by a substantial amount over him, you're going to consolidate with me. He knows that too. And so does everybody else that does my job. So what that does and why, why performance fees aren't really allowed in our industry is because, so everybody that does what we do knows you're going to pick based on performance. What does that incentivize us to do? Get you the most performance we can. What's performance usually associated with? Risk. Exactly, Greg. Exactly. So now you're going to have both of your advisors incentivized in a horse race to take on more and more risk, to get higher and higher returns, to impress you so that you choose us for everything. Guess what that does to you then the next time the market craps the bed? Guess what that does to you? You get slaughtered, right? So that's why I am absolutely one. I've told you why you should stay, right? They're absolutely true. But before I do that to you and get into that relationship, I will sign off and you can work with that other advisor. I will not you have trusted me with this relationship. That is the honest answer. That is what you should do. And I will not do that to you. I will not put you in that position because even if I can promise you that I won't do that to you, I know the incentive is there for someone else and a big chunk of your net worth is riding out there somewhere. And I, I just won't do it. Now sign here. <laughs> and nine times out of well, 10, I, they're going to sign here after, after right. that discussion. Right. Yeah. And, and guys, there's so much opportunity out there. They're not an ideal client. And they're not going to treat you with respect as a professional, th then why work with them? Like life's too short. There are too many people that need your help. 
Um, I, I think this has been a great discussion. Um, I, I kind of go around the horn for any closing thoughts um, as we kind of wrap this conversation up. And uh, I want to thank our lab members who have been uh, laughing at us in the chat around what we're doing here, because um, what, whether you know this or not, when you listen to the podcast, there is a lot of editing that will have to happen in this episode, which is not actually normal for us, but we are clowning around a little bit more than we normally do on this show because we have people watching and obviously we cannot, or it's not them, by the way, usually it's Brad and Greg that are messing around, but it's me today because uh, this is more fun. But uh, Greg, Greg, final thoughts for today's show. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, you know, as far as consolidating assets and everything, um, it, it's it's how you start is how you finish. So if you're early on in your career and and you met and you set the stage saying, oh, this this is what's allowed in relationships with clients. I mean, it's really gonna <laughs> come to bite you in the end. Um, but if you kind of set the the framework saying, hey, this is how we do business. Um, you know, typically, the the people who we work best with. They trust us with everything. They want holistic, and that's how I would say that. The clients that we work with, you know, the, the best clients that we work with, they trust us with everything. They want X, they want Y, they want Z, and, and they think we're a great fit for that. And that's kind of insinuating that, hey, you're not, if you don't follow these rules, you're not going to be our ideal client. And you'd be, you'd be amazed. It's just how you frame it um, in the beginning. That's my takeaway. That's great. Brad, how about you? Final thoughts? I just want to reiterate that the the point of so many things we talk about, including this subject on here, you got to implement the whole thing, not just a piece or it won't work. You can't come out of the blue having accepted partial relationships for the last 10, 20 years and then magically be upset that they split relationships. You have to make it a part of your ongoing practice, just like everything else we preach here. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw my, my last thing out is, um, because Brad and Greg said it perfectly. I don't have a lot to add other than understand where you're at in your career. And if the partial relationship is larger than your smallest relationship in your two years or three years into the business, you might take the partial relationship because you have to. The number one thing you can do is stay in business. Yep. That's going to help you serve more people. Do not go out of business because your pride tells you that you can't work with somebody who just gave you $250,000. You know, stay in business. That's, I think yep. it's really important. This has been a lot of fun recording this live in the Elite Advisor Lab. Look, if you're not a member of the Elite Advisor Lab, I want to invite you to check it out. Go to EliteAdvisorLab.com. Look, we give five days free so you can kick the tires. See if you think it makes sense. I hope you visit us and, and check it out. Uh, we have a great community filled with really smart people sharing ideas, uh, tactics, and really their, their systems for achieving success. Uh, you have access to us as well. We do a live weekly uh, office hours and a monthly deep dive into our practice. But more than anything, I want to thank the folks who uh, make this show successful. Uh, that means Brad and Greg, everybody else is, uh, is, is here for the ride. No, but the listeners, I really want to thank you guys for listening. If you found value in today's show, today's topic, make sure you leave us a five-star review. That does mean a lot to us. We check them out. We read them. We do appreciate them. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 
Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.